The speaker is speaking at 125 words a minute. They are thinking on average at 900 words per minute. If you're in a creative, collaborative, resource-constrained, competitive market, you're likely to be thinking at 1,600 words per minute. So I'm going to make the assumption that while you're listening to me, you may even be playing this interview at two times speed. And the reason you're doing that is because you can listen at 400 words per minute. While you're listening at 400 words per minute and I'm speaking at 125 words per minute, you're drifting, you're anticipating, you're fixing, you're solving. You're doing everything except listen. Here's why it's critical to listen to what's not said rather than listen only to what's said. Deep listening. That's right. Shut your mouth and start listening a little bit more. <sighs> advice even I could take. Now, it sounds like ambiguous advice, but there might be an actual reason to do it. Maybe there's a selfish reason to do it. You might just succeed more and people around you might just like you more and maybe even they'll succeed more. This is a really interesting topic. For the last year, now I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years and for about the last year, I don't know why it's been something that's been on my mind where I just want to talk less. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm just wiser. I don't know. All right. And I just feel like I want to listen more. And one thing I'm really baffled by, I'm going to tell you guys something. I'm baffled by just how much people will tell you if you just ask the right question. There are things I think people would never share, but then I just ask the right question and they share. And then I just listen and I learn. This has been going on for the last year. I know it sounds, I'm 39. It's like, really, you learned it now? Well, hold on, hold tight because maybe you still don't do it properly. So this is the journey I'm going through personally. And then comes in my inbox, an invitation to interview someone who's on a mission. This is what I read and this caught my attention. He's on a mission to create a hundred million deep listeners. What the heck is that? And again, I told you, right, this last year, I'm like, listen, listen, listen. And then I, there's a guy out there who's actually trying to create 100 million deep listeners. What is going on? And so let me let me tell you, this. I'm going to read it because it was so cool. So I start reading more. He's interviewed over 100 of the most diverse workplace listeners. What the heck is that? What is a workplace listener? Well, it's cool. Air traffic controllers. <laughs> I, nice to know my, you know, I, I felt comforted to know air traffic controllers listen. It's a good thing to know. Deaf and foreign language interpreters. Interesting. Hostage negotiators. I guess they would help. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Fascinating. Spies. <laughs> so these are the people he's talked to in order to understand why listening is important. And then over 14,000 people have contributed to his research. So we're in for a really interesting ride. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're wondering why you should listen to it, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone who's looking to become successful, that success might just be waiting in you listening. But I don't know what that means and I don't know how to do it and I don't even know why I should do it. And that's why we've brought on what I'm... At this point, I think it's the world's leading expert in listening is Oscar Tromboli. Oscar, man, thank you so much from all the way from Australia for being here for this interview. Uh, I'm going to try my best to shut my mouth and listen during this interview, my friend. I'm so intrigued by what you're doing. Yeah, good, Anna. I'm really 
curious and intrigued by what kind of questions we're going to explore together today. And uh, just a, a little disclaimer, we call it a quest rather than a mission. Mission implies something much more specific. Our quest kind of meanders and is moving and shifting and changing. I'm sure everyone in the audience can relate to where you start and where you think you're going to end. It's a crooked path, not a straight line. And that's one of the things when you listen to entrepreneurs, that's the magical thing about what they create. They create something out of nothing. And I just want to acknowledge everybody who's in the arena fighting every day and making a difference. Turning up is half the battle. I love that. My friends. I love that. You're right. Maybe I need to change my terms here too. Uh, All right. So Oscar, what is deep listening? Well, good listeners focus on what's said. Deep listeners notice what's not said. Now, when you understand that listening is an art and a science, the science of listening is three numbers. Honestly, this could be the shortest episode ever if everybody understands, internalizes these three numbers. 125, 400, and 900. The speaker is speaking at 125 words a minute. They are thinking on average at 900 words per minute. If you're in a creative, collaborative, resource-constrained, competitive market, you're likely to be thinking at 1,600 words per minute. So I'm going to make the assumption that while you're listening to me, you may even be playing this interview at two times speed. And the reason you're doing that is because you can listen at 400 words per minute. While you're listening at 400 words per minute and I'm speaking at 125 words per minute, you're drifting, you're anticipating, you're fixing, you're solving, you're doing everything except listen. Here's why it's critical to listen to what's not said rather than listen only to what's said. If I speak at 125 words a minute, if I think at 900 words per minute, the first thing I say is 14% of what I think and what I mean. It is unlikely that I have said what matters the most to me in the first 125 words. And if all you do is listen to what people say and not listen to what they don't say, you're going to get customers that become very expensive for you because you've won the customer. Congratulations. But you didn't listen to what they want and you spend a whole bunch of time reworking and going back with your teams and trying to solve for a problem you didn't listen for. But that's what the customer meant. So one of the biggest costs of not listening is rework. And customers who won't refer you because they don't have a great experience. Don't gamble with 14% of what they're thinking. Just listen for the next 125 words. And I I can see there's this big, big question mark above your head while you're listening. What's going on for you, my friend? 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. First of all, those numbers are fascinating. So I want to go over them for everybody. 125 words is, is how fast we speak. Um, 900 words per minute is how fast we think, unless we're in a very collaborative, exciting environment, which is 1600 words per minute. Like, holy crap. And 400 words is what we're capable of listening at. You're absolutely right, first of all. Every video I ever watch, the first thing I do is go to two, two and a half X. Um, and this is something I said to my wife. So I, 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 it was years ago because she's like, how can you, uh, what are you doing? I can't understand anything they're saying. And I said, first of all, it takes time to get used to it. I said, but actually, this is the only way I actually understand what they're saying. Because when I listen to it at 2x, maybe this is the wrong word, but I'm kind of forced to listen because I'm like intently listening. I can't afford to drift off. I'll miss a lot. So you're 1000% correct there. I guess where I'm a little curious is, so if I'm having a conversation, you said, listen to what's not being said. Can you expand on that? Like, how do I listen to what's not being said? Quite often, we think that the question is the way to explore it. If you notice that silence and listen have the same letters, not enough people are comfortable to listen to the beginning, the middle and the end of somebody's pause and jump into the conversation way too early and the speaker hasn't even finished. So one of the simplest things you can do to be present, to be available to the other person is when they pause, let them finish. Because in that pause, in that moment, they collect the next 125 words and you'll hear words like, And now that I think about it, what really matters to me is what I've realized thinking about it a bit longer, I haven't even mentioned this to you. And you're starting to get closer to what they mean rather than what they say the first time. And when somebody is heard, seen and valued because you listen to what they mean, the loyalty you'll get from that customer, the referrals you get from that customer will be spectacular. Because the experience you create for them in that moment is unique. Not many people are listening to people. They're hearing what they say, but are they truly listening? So tip number one, listen for the silence. When you do and they start to say what they mean, they will do things like their head will tilt differently on their spine their eyes will move in a different direction. And noticeably, they will breathe out and exhale, sometimes sigh and go, mm. actually, what I should have said was, boom. You've just heard something they probably haven't told anybody else. And all of a sudden, you're in a dialogue about a bigger problem that they'll probably spend more money with you on as well. Now I've got two other tips. I just want to pause and understand what silence means for you, Anik. I, I'm, I'm baffled right now because you're 100% right. Even as I'm doing this interview, sometimes you pause 
And the inclination as a host is, oh my God, there's silence, right? In order for this podcast to be interesting, there must not be silence. So I'm going to pause in. I'm going to jump in. And, and you're not done with your thought. And I'm sitting here recollecting myself. I'm like, how many times have I done that to a guest who wasn't finished with their thought and I just hopped in? Uh, worse, yeah. And, you know, we're talking about customers. That's fascinating. But what about team members? I mean, I'm in a meeting with my employees and one of my biggest missions as a leader and as an entrepreneur and as a CEO, one of my biggest dreams is I want my team to take over. I want them to run the business. I want to support them and I want to be here every day. You know, it's like the, the dream of an entrepreneur. But if I'm going to want them to take over and I want them to run, it has to be their ideas. It has to be their thoughts. I have to understand what's really holding them back. How many times have I just sat and listened? Um, I have a friend who, who now I know what he does. He does deep listening. He'll just stay quiet. And what I have found myself, because I get so uncomfortable with the quietness, is I, I keep talking. And I bet you what I'm doing, that son of a gun, I bet he's getting stuff out of me that's the real stuff. That's not like the prepared answer, but that's like the, oh my God, I'm uncomfortable now. It's really quiet. I need to keep talking. So now I'm going to give him the truth and the real. I mean, imagine doing that in an interview. If you're interviewing for team members that have come prepped, they've practiced replies to your typical questions. They get done replying and you just pause and just let the silence take place. Silence is uncomfortable. And I think everyone who's here, I, that's one of my biggest takeaways from you, Oscar, is silence might be uncomfortable, but what comes after it is powerful. And that is cool. That was a cool lesson to learn. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and I want you to move on to the other two. Well, let, let's zoom into a workshop I did. And I was brought in by the business owner. And it was a company that was growing really well. They were growing at about 30% per annum. And the leadership team was in this room. There was 12 people in the leadership team. And although the business was growing at 30%, what was happening was globally, their competition was growing at triple digits. The market was growing much faster than they were. They were doing well where they were operating, but they realized there was more opportunity on the table. And we'd, we'd started at, at nine, we'd had a little break, and then it's 12.35 and the sandwiches are being brought in around quarter to one and we're supposed to break at one o'clock. And I've asked the group, describe this organisation as an animal and tell me why. And we'd gone around the room and it's about five to one. And everybody had said an eagle, an osprey, a cheetah, a lion, something that was moving fast and killing things basically, right? And the CEO was obviously very hungry because he did this. And he pointed to his watch on the desk, which was, I guess it was code to me, like, Oscar, the food's here. Hurry up. We had heard for 11 out of 12 people and the final person from finance, a card-carrying member of the introvert community. By the way, if you ask people in a room, are you an introvert? Put your hand up. I didn't say stand up. I said, just put your hand up. And if you ask a true introvert, if you're an introvert, put your hand up. They won't. A true introvert won't 
disclosed they are. <laughs> Lynn was a card-carrying member of the introvert community and she hadn't spoken the whole morning. And I really wanted to hear from her about this animal and how she described the organisation. So I just gestured with my arm out, not very far. I didn't point. I didn't make eye contact. I just gestured to her. And she said, I thought it was obvious. And there was the world's longest pause. And if it was a cartoon strip comic, and it, the CEO, the evil villain, he has laser beams in the back of his eyes trying to explode my head to hurry me up. She said, I thought it was obvious. I thought we were a snake. Now, remember, everybody's described an eagle, an osprey, a bird of prey, a lion, a cheetah. And when you hear a snake, what, what's going through your mind? That slithery, disgusting evil. Like <laughs> nothing good. I'll put it that way. I reached my arm out a little further to Lynn. And Lynn said, a snake sheds its skin every season. We have forgotten to shed our skin and adapt for our clients and our employees. We have practices and systems that are holding us back because we haven't shed our skin. And with that, the room kind of exhaled. And what happened next was amazing. For the next 45 minutes, nobody touched any food. And there was this huge debate about what's holding the business back because we took the time to listen to what wasn't said in the room. And everybody was in group think about how awesome and fast moving and agile we were. And Lynn says we're a snake. Now, here's what you don't know about Lynn. Apart from the fact she's in finance, she comes from a culture that wasn't the common culture in the room. And in China, a snake represents something very different to what a snake represents in the West. Mm. When you're listening to your employees, are you just listening to the loud ones or are you taking the time and being deliberate about listening to every opinion in the room? Because you could get a breakthrough. And they did. They decided to make snakes their little internal logos, they had snake beanie toys, they integrated snakes into a whole bunch of reward and recognition systems. And the business broke through because they reinvented their systems to meet the market where it was growing at 100% and more per annum. Now, the CEO took me aside after we'd had something to eat and said, I was so frustrated with you, Oscar. You were going too slow. And I said, not as slow as your business would go if you didn't listen to Lynn telling you you needed to invest in your systems. He said, yes, Oscar, the profitability impact of what you uncovered was worth the wait. Listening at work is not therapy. Don't confuse yourself. Your job is to listen in a very, very sharply tuned way because when you listen this way, Revenues increase, profits increase, employees give more discretionary effort. I haven't forgotten the other two points, Anna. Now that you think about the snake, I thought it was obvious. I thought we were a snake. Have you had any of those moments with your team? No. Never. 
I don't think, well, so the last time we did an exercise like this, we went through the five dysfunctions of a team. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. It's a, it's a great book. And uh, yeah, we went around the room. And, and what's funny is we have an opportunity coming up where most of my management team will be on site uh, in less than a week uh, for an event that we're doing here. During that time, we had had a really interesting exercise where we went through some of the common questions. Um, and we haven't done anything like that for years now. And we've been through some organizational challenges, uh, which have led to some amazing opportunities, but we're going through a pretty interesting time, I would call it right now. And no, <laughs> I have not taken a minute to wonder if they have an idea, a thought, um, you know, a strategy. It's been more just me kind of leading the charge because that's what we're used to here. Good meeting hosts get people to listen to the active speaker and great meeting hosts get all the participants to listen to each other, not just to what they say, but start to notice what they haven't said and who hasn't spoken up. When that leadership is shared, for an entrepreneur, it takes a big weight off your shoulders because people will feel like, great, I have an opportunity to put my ideas forward and they're not going to get judged. They're just going to get discussed with the group. My idea may be right, it may be wrong, might be useful, might not, but at least I've been heard, seen and valued. Those three things are so critical to the way employees turn up every day. It's the difference between somebody punching a clock and somebody giving you extra effort every day because they believe in the journey that this organization is on, serving entrepreneurs. Yeah, love it. So I will do something and that is I will make it a goal to do an exercise next week with the team where I will practice exactly what you just said. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll report back to you. I'll send you an email and say how, how it went. But I'm intrigued because I know my team, some of them have been with me for over 10 years. I would, be, I would be very excited to hear what their thoughts are as we're going through this transition in the business. I'm sure they have some pretty brilliant ideas, actually. Um, but I also know that I'm going to have to wait for the pause because I feel like that idea is not going to come out in the first 125 words. It's 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 going to be behind the pause. I, I, definitely, I can definitely can see that. All right. If you want to go double or nothing. Let's do it. Who's the right person to host the meeting that's not you? Ooh. So how do I determine that? How would I figure out who the right person is to host that meeting? Great meeting hosts are great process leaders, not necessarily content. So they know how to hold a process. The minute I said that, you thought, bam, somebody's name came to mind, right? Yes, at least two people. Absolutely. Awesome. Could they host the meeting with your support? You've got enough time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll hear something completely different if they lead the meeting rather than you. What do you think? So talk to me about process leaders. So talk to me about, so first of all, to answer your question, 100%, we used to do uh, weekly management meetings. We've, we've since stopped for a multitude of reasons, but those were not led by me. Um, those were led by the very first person who actually just came to my mind when you said process yeah. leader. 
but I'm int I'm intrigued in how you see this meeting going. So let so let's if you don't mind, I'll turn this into a consultation yeah, case study. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun for everyone watching. So um, our business is going through a transition, complete transition. We're going we're changing the market to which we sell. We're changing the people to whom we speak. Uh, we are changing the ways in which we collect revenue, and we're re recorporating the entire company, the structure, everything. And we're talking about, you're talking about Snake? Shed, we've shed the skin 17 times in one year and are really adapting. And it's actually been amazing. Um, I'm so glad we're doing it. Wish we did it sooner. But it's also come with a tremendous amount of challenges. And the challenges I always like to express to the team is we're a startup that's carrying the burn rate of a very well-formed company. And so that has come with its own challenges. And so given that, it's been it's been very much so like, hey, who's got an idea that can kind of add some speed to this adaptation? Because at the end of the day, cash is cash and it's limited and we need to have some turnaround in some places. So what I'm wondering, so we, can, we have everybody that's gonna be here in person. We're a virtual team largely. Management team will actually be on site next week because we do this this event every now and then with our students that everyone comes in for. So I'm curious if I were to call everyone. We we did have a meeting like this just a few weeks ago. Everyone was again in for the meeting. But that was more of a 2023 planning vision, what we see happening. And that was all me. That was like, we've all listened to Onyx audios. We've heard his thoughts. Here are the plans that we can put in place to support his vision. And um, that was cool, but I don't want that again. We just did that. That's not what I'm looking for here. So I'm kind of wondering if I know the person, but what does that meeting look like? What is the, how are they brought in? How does it start? Is there some kind of process we go through? Um, and, and if so, I'm sure I could tell you right now, people listening to this who have teams, which quite a few who listen to this podcast do, they're going to emulate this. I know it. So think about a subject line in an email. What would make this a great meeting is the subject line of the email. So write that down. It, it, do a couple of versions of that. Just take a moment, take 60 seconds to 90 seconds and think about what would make this a great meeting. Not what would make this a great meeting for you nor what would make this a great meeting for them, but what would make it a great meeting for these collective gathering of these awesome people coming together? What would make it a great meeting? All right, let's see. Um, all right, I think I have something that's interesting. I don't know, quite know if that's only interesting to me or would be to them, but I, I believe it would be interesting to them as well. What have you got? What opportunities for faster growth are we missing? Okay. What I want you to do is visualize now your favorite five clients. Have you got them in your mind? Yep. I'm actually going to write them down so that I don't forget. Yep. You do that. All right. What would they want this meeting to say in the subject line of an email? <laughs> Interesting. Um, Take your time, 60 to 90 seconds. 
get past the first 125 words. Thanks for playing along. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I'm having fun. I think this might be the first first podcast I've ever done in like four years that's shaping up like this, but it's fun. All right, so let me get these people in mind. I'm still taking one. I haven't started yet because I still want to write down my, like you said, the ideal customer. And I am tweaking that a little bit. Get in, get in their skin. Think about their problems. Think about what they struggle with every day. And then you'll be able to write a really empathetic sentence about what this meeting should be from their perspective. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because it's the original subject line was what opportunities for faster growth are we missing? It, it doesn't change much. It changes towards them though. What opportunities or how can we help our customers double their business? That's it's a terminology that comes up a lot. It's a lot of the goals of these people is to kind of see a hundred percent growth. And so the question is like what can we do to help our customers double their business? Okay. This is round three. It's the last round. So we're coming towards a conclusion. Then we're going to pick this up and put in a process with that team member that you were thinking about. Okay. Thinking about your customers. Now I want you to think about their customers. So it's your customers' customers. What would they want the meeting to be? What would they want that one sentence to be? So it's not your customers, it's their customers. What would they cool. want your meeting to be? What would their customers want the meeting to be? Their customers... A lot of their customers are new entrepreneurs, look, people looking to become entrepreneurs. So I feel like their customers are struggling in that I want to have my first success type of field. So I think the, the question there would be, how can we have the simplest process to have our first success? What is the simplest process for us to have our first success is what I would write down. Mm. Now read out the first subject line of the email, the second subject line we wrote and the third. Sure. Read them out. Say it out aloud. That's important, not just for the audience, but for you and I and the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So the first subject line I wrote for the meeting was, what opportunities for faster growth are we missing? The second subject line was, what can we do to help our customers double their business? The third subject line was, what is the simplest process for us to have our first success? How are you thinking about this meeting differently compared to when we started this process? I like the the simplest process, first success. It got simplified. Mm. Now we're moving through each 125 words in your thinking as we do this, right? You do realize that. We're getting yeah, closer. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go to your teammate and say, I would like you to lead a meeting and this is the purpose of the meeting, which one of those three are you going to pick? Annie is correct, by the way. You need to now calibrate which one of those three is your group ready to work through because it takes a kind of advanced judo move to do the level three piece. So good entrepreneurs sell to the customer they got. Great entrepreneurs talk about their customers' customers' problems. It's a big difference. And that's where you can get really strong referral, repeatable business happening. If your mindset is not only to help your customer, but you have a clear understanding of what their customers struggle with as well. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think about that because the the third layer, right, which is what is the simplest process for us to have our first success is, is an interesting question because our customers, albeit their customers might have that rudimentary um, question, but our customers all teach things very differently, right? So their processes that they're teaching, their customers are different. Um, I resonate quite a bit with what can we do to help our customers 2X their business. That is interesting because we do know how to do that. And my team that's in that room, they do know, we know how to do that. We know how to do that. We, we know how to do it because we've done it multiple times ourselves. And so they do know the answers to that question. So this person that's going to be your co-pilot, they're going to lead the meeting. You're going to spend as much time zipped up as possible when it comes to the process of the meeting. You're going to be an active contributor, of course. They're going to manage time. They're going to check in consistently and say, hey, at the beginning of this meeting, we all agreed that Option two is the one we're going to. How are we tracking? They should be checking about every 15% of the meeting. So if it's only a one-hour meeting, they should be checking every 15 minutes. If it is a three-hour meeting, they should be checking about every half an hour. And they, you should be investing 10% of the meeting time to check back in on the purpose and check with everybody, do you think we're on track? When you do that, you're going to hear things that haven't been said. And the person who's running the process, they'll be awesome at it. Just give them the space to do that. Just give them this very clear definition of success, which is option two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting here is that the solution to that would help greatly strengthen our number one program right now, which is our focus, um, which is what we're marketing to the market and assuming we help our customers double their business. They're just going to go out and tell everyone about our product anyways, because why wouldn't they, right? We, we just helped add tremendous value to their business. So I, I find that very intriguing. It would be very targeted towards one of our core offerings. Um, and so that, that is, uh, I'm, I think I know exactly who I want and I'm going to have them listen to this episode as well before we do the meeting. And uh, I'm in, I like that. That's awesome. So as a leader, if I'm to summarize, those who are watching right now who have a team, you might have a team of contractors, freelancers, people that help work. 
and your business is growing, you, ch you should challenge yourself to go through the process we just went through and have meetings not hosted by you, but by someone else where you can get a chance to really listen to what your team thinks. And, and there's some ideas there that are powerful. Um, awesome. I can't help, but I got with very, very clear purpose. This is the important bit. It's not just somebody hosting the meeting. They have a purpose and that's clear. And you've done the work. You probably thought about that more than you have in the last five weeks is my speculation. And the purpose is the subject line, correct? Correct. Got it. All right. So I got to take us back though, because at this point, I don't know if maybe we ended up covering up tip number two or three within that oh, story. Yeah, got there and I haven't okay, forgotten. Great. Yeah. So what, what I want to do, check in with you because I sense when you said, wow, if we just focus on this to strengthen our core offering, this is an insight that was inside you, but you hadn't said it out aloud. Can I give you a dirty little secret of listening? Yeah. It's not, it's not your job to make sense of what they say. It's your job to help them make sense of what they mean. Take them through their thinking and get it to say it out aloud. Remember, 125 words, they can say out aloud, 900 on average, they're thinking. We just went 125. We went 125 again. We went 125 again. It's a subject line in the email, right? And as a result of that, my speculation is your thinking is in a completely different place to when we started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yes, because it's not focused on how do we market more of our product, it's focused on how do we get our customers more results and essentially they market the product for us. Beautiful. Yeah, powerful. So the first, tip we mentioned was the use of silence because silent and listening have the identical letters, right? Silent and listen, just move the letters around. They're exactly the same. So if you're stuck and you go, oh, I struggle with silence in high context cultures, China, Korea, Japan, the Inuit of North America, the Maori, the Polynesian cultures of the Pacific, the Aboriginal and Indigenous communities of Australia, wise leaders, long-term leaders, use silence very effectively. It's a sign of wisdom, respect, and authority in those cultures. Yet in the West, we call it the awkward silence, the deafening silence, the pregnant pause. We constrict ourselves around silence. Listen to the beginning, the middle, and the end of their pause, and they'll say something else. Imagine you've got a listening compass and it's got north, south, east, and west. These are directions the conversations can go. If you want to unpick what they haven't said, I want to give you two quick questions. Shorter questions will elicit more unsaid. A question with more than eight words is biased. A biased question is not bad. An open, neutral question is not good. It's what question is appropriate. When we want to listen for what's unsaid, the shorter, the better. The most powerful one is nothing at all. It's just pause and silence. When you want the conversation to continue in the same direction, 
we call them north-south questions. They're going in the same direction. We want to ask this question, and please use your version of this, but the intent of the question is tell me more. Say more. I'm fascinated. Could you expand on that? Wow. I never thought of it that way. Could you say a little more? Now, everything I've just said is eight words or less, but I personalized it compared to tell me more. Tell me more is going to take the conversation in the same direction. One thing people are not conscious of when they're leading their own business, are you listening for the similar or the different? Are you pattern matching to past experience because you know I've had success there? Are you going in the same direction, north-south, or are you conscious to listen for difference? Harvard has researched over 20 million people. It's called the implicit bias test. 92% of people listen for similarity. They're pattern matching to their education, their cultural upbringing, their family upbringing, their teachers, their lived experience, their workplace experience. It is a result of the education system you're part of. Now, that's not bad. We call it the scientific method. It's like what gives us gravity, what gives us Elon Musk sending rockets into outer space and then landing back down on Earth again. The scientific method is important, listening for similarities. But if all you do is listen for similarities, you're going to miss the snake. East-West questions. And what else? This is the question you want to ask. The intention of questions that are going to get the group thinking differently is, and what else? Is there anything else we haven't covered off? Is there anything else you want to say? If our competitor was in the room, is there anything they would be laughing at us about? our competitor was in the room is there anything they'd be scared about if a regulator if the media was in the room right now what would be the question they'd want to ask us that we haven't considered these questions get us thinking on a completely different plane and perspective the other one is using time if we jump back 10 years this technology, this format, this didn't exist. If we jump forward 10 years, what's likely to be in place? And if that's the case, what have we got to do different as a result? These are east-west questions. So remember, silence, tell me more, and what else? These three questions are going to transform the opportunity that you look to the market in because you'll be looking and listening in a completely different commercial way. If your business is relatively mature, you'll be able to sell more products to the customers you've already got. And if you're a new business, customers will emerge in places you never considered. If you're hiring staff, the same is true. Existing staff will give more effort when they're heard, seen, and valued. And when you interview potential staff in this way, they'll automatically sense, wow, this is different. They actually are listening to my answers. So those are the three questions that summarize the 125-400, the 125-900 rule and get you 
beyond the words. I love it. I mean, that's, it's fascinating to think because how many one-on-one meetings I have where there would be an amazing, op- and the, you know, there is something going on where they have said something that's intriguing and I want to hop in and give my opinion on it. Whereas I should probably just say, tell me more. That sounds interesting. And just hold my opinion to myself because it doesn't actually add value to the conversation. Um, I'm intrigued. I like it. Tell me more. Or even better, you're right. What else? What? There was something, um, I remember once someone asked me this question. <laughs> I found it very intriguing. Um, it was an investor. And uh, we, were, we went through a meeting at the end of the uh, meeting. Uh, this is a long time ago. And the investor said, what have I not asked you that I should have? And I remember looking at the big, what? You know, it, it, it was interesting though. It did lead to an interesting conversation. I was like, well, I think you should ask us about, you haven't asked me about our market share or this and that. And he's like, cool. Tell me more about that. And uh, never really asked any further questions, but I know I ended up learning a lot more and there was something that they just didn't have on their, their sheet of questions. Um, and so I found that, that was, that was interesting. And it, it leads to what you just said. Yeah. What have we not considered? I'll give you the question I use when I'm working with clients. Often I'll be, I'll be brought in, I'll be talking to somebody in an organization and I will ask three questions, not all three, one of these three questions. Now, don't do this at the end of the meeting. Do it in the last 20% of the meeting. Just want to check. If your manager was in the room right now, what's the question you know they would have asked that we haven't covered off? And they always go, oh, yes. They would say, blah, 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 blah. And you go, great. And when they ask you that question, my response is this. Oh, thank you. That's so helpful. Uh, The second version of that question. I want you to think of your most difficult, most cynical client if they were in the room right now what would they get very cynical that we haven't asked ah yeah the roi oscar the return on investment of this unless we answer that question great here's my answer and then finally i ask a version of a regulator the media a staff member possibly a supplier, I asked the same question. If they were in the room, what would have been the most valuable question they wish we would have asked? And what we're doing there, we're using our listening compass to go through 160 degrees of their perspective so you can help them sell the concept internally, not just walk in there and say, I had a really nice meeting with Oscar. Got it. So your investor used a very blunt version of that. I think if you want to use that question, it's super powerful. If you asked a client that question, they would do what you do and they would go, oh, I've never been asked that before. And here's what you haven't asked me. And that's about 300 to 400 words deep in the stuff they hadn't said in the meeting. And that, becomes the memorable moment for everybody because you remembered it how many years down the track 
two decades? Yeah, it's been a long time. Probably 15 years. 15 years later, I still remember it as an interesting yeah. question. Yeah, it was an interesting question. Um, and yeah. since good then- speakers will, good, good listeners will listen to what people say, but good, great listeners' questions will change the way a speaker communicates how they're thinking. And that's what you want them to do. And when you do that, your ability to be referred as a trusted problem solver just goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. Really. Totally makes sense. I love the North, South, West, East. I uh, will have to listen to this again because I got it at that point, but it's like knowing when to use that and at what point in a meeting, right? Because it almost feels like the earlier part of a meeting when when someone's talking, you want more. Tell me more. I'm I'm and then it's like as you're kind of veering towards the last fifty percent of the meeting, you want to cover like what have I missed? What have we not covered? I came in with this idea, but maybe there is there's something else this person just tweak it. You've nailed the timing. First half of the meeting, north south similarity, second half of the meeting difference. But it's not what are you missing? It's what did they miss? There's True. your orientation needs to be on there. So when they express what they miss, what what that's telling you is that's where the gold is, that's where the value is, that's where the problem is, that's where you're likely to make the biggest difference for them. And anything in the second half of the meeting should be exploring difference. When you do that, you'll have your snake moment or my... uh, I remember this conversation I had with Jennifer and Christopher up in Minnesota and uh, Jennifer told this story about Christopher coming home from school and Christopher was young and very enthusiastic and he came home from school, said, mommy, mommy, I learned maths today. I learned the three is half of eight. And Jennifer thought she misheard her son. And he, she said, honey, could you say that again? And he said, oh, three is half of eight. And Jennifer shook her head. She went to the kitchen cupboard and she grabbed a packet of M&Ms from the cupboard. And she got eight M&Ms lined up in two rows of four and she showed her son four and four M&Ms and she asked Christopher to count them. And he counted them and she said, and that's why four is half of eight. And with that, Christopher leapt off the bench. He went to the corner cupboard. He grabbed a Sharpie, a texter, depending on which part of the world. It was a thick black texter. And for his mum, he drew the figure eight in front of her. (laughs) And then he folded the eight in half vertically. Now, if you're watching this, I'm folding a piece of paper in half vertically. And if you're listening on the podcast, I've got a piece of paper and I'm about to tear it in half. And you're going to see two perfectly formed threes. Now, Christopher was thinking in geometry and Jennifer was thinking in arithmetic. Now, if you folded the piece of paper horizontally, you would have zero being half of eight. So zero is half of eight, three is half of eight, four is half of eight. Yet in your businesses, you're having a three is half of eight moment in probably most conversations because you're listening to what people say rather than what they mean. And if you're comfortable to live in a world where zero is half of eight, three is half of eight, and four is half of eight, you're comfortable 
about listening for similarity as well as listening for difference. When you are screaming inside your head going, I know the answer, I've solved this problem before, you're listening for similarity. Explore the difference and you'll have a client that will refer you for a very long time. Now, I'm always intrigued how long it takes people to get the moment at which three becomes half of eight. And I speculate that you're a visual listener. It was me showing you the fold at that point. It's like, ah, I know where this is going. What I'm curious about is what's your most recent three is half of eight moment? Have you had one? I have no idea, but I am pretty sure I'm having one right now. Like, yeah, you're right. There's so many, I mean, there's so many decisions we make in a business where 20 years of me building my business a certain way. And I told you earlier, we've completely transitioned our customer target market, the way we're going about it. Um, and, uh, how can we not question how, how can we not fold the paper in two different ways or look at how can, you know, how can half of eight not be three? Um, it has to be in some ways, if we're going to look at the, the market differently and the, um, and everything differently, I'll give you a prime example. This happened yesterday. I've struggled for the last month because I'm trying to build a certain funnel to promote a certain offer. And it's just not working. I'm used to doing this. This is the type of funnel I'm used to building. And at the end, there's an offer to be to, to be to be sold. And this type of funnel is just not working in my mind. I know it's not going to work to sell this kind of offer. The immediate solution was we got to change the offer or we have to add to the offer or we have to create two new offers. And I've known enough now in 20 years to say, ah, adding complexity to something is rarely the solution. I don't want to do that. We've got something working here. It's beautiful. I, if, if I start, it's going to mess the team up and the simplicity of it. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's a Mona Lisa right now. And I don't want to start painting on it with other colors. But then this funnel won't work. And and I, I sat like this for weeks where I'm like, I don't want to change this, but I want this funnel. But I don't want, and yesterday I just had a very simple moment where I was like, what's more important? this, the simplicity, the offer, the, the product, it's working. I don't want to change it. That's what's The results are coming. My team gets it. We've made huge leaps and bounds in it. I love it. Well, great. Let's just let go of this funnel. Just put it aside. That's not the right funnel, but that's working for everybody else. Good for them. Let's just put it aside. What's the funnel for us? And that was when the first time I started looking, I'm like, well, who's the market part? Who's the target market? How does that market absorb information? How do they absorb content? How can I get in front of them? What's the messaging? Haven't really figured out the solution yet, but I will say I'm not talking necessarily, but I'm listening to the whole process go down. And I actually made a post about it in one of my Facebook groups where I was like, guys, sometimes you got to be willing to just disconnect from these like things we've hooked onto over time, right? So I had two things I've hooked onto and I got a square and I got a circle and I'm going at it because that's just what I'm used to. 20 years, these fit. They're not fitting. Well, it's like, well, maybe we should just put them down and pick up some different blocks. And um, that's probably the closest I can think right out the gate of the uh, 3-8 kind of analogy, which was, I think yesterday I finally folded the page and I was like, oh my God, 
there's there's got to be a different way to look at this. Um, but I think this is where, by the way, ironically, experience can kind of be a pain too, because your experience means you get this is how we do things, and and it's hard to go look around it. But when you're reinventing and reinnovating, you throw that experience in the trash and look at things freshly a little bit. So look, in summary, uh, we've shared a lot today. It's all packaged in the book, How to Listen. If you want to discover your primary listening barriers, visit listeningquiz.com. You'll get a report that tells you what's getting in your way, but more importantly, three very simple practical tips you can apply immediately. The book will unpack five levels of listening and it will give you stories, including the story of Jennifer and the story of Lynn and the stake and many others that we can relate to. My wish for everybody is a very simple wish. Most people will think listening starts by focusing on the speaker. It's the wrong place to start. It's the unproductive place to start. Listening starts by listening to you listening to yourself, shutting down the browser tabs in your own mind so you have memory available for the conversation. Most of us don't realize that listening happens before, during, and after the conversation. We have touched on possibly 2% of what it means to be a deep listener. If you wanna hear more and you wanna have me back, let Anik know. And um, I'll be delighted to continue the conversation. Yeah. Uh, listeningquiz.com, everybody. But real quick before I let you go, and I know we don't have the time to dive deep into them. I do want to have you back, actually. But number two and number three, just at least the title so they know what to look for. I'm assuming in the book you'll get more into it or in um, even if they take the listening quiz. When you say number two and number three, you mean the questions that we went through? No, no. So I, maybe we went through that. But tip one was the silence, right? Listen to the listen in the silence. Tip one is silence. Number two, tell me more. Number three, and what else? Ah, got it. All right. So we did cover it. Brilliant. Um, Oscar, it's been one of the most fascinating episodes I have filmed uh, and been on in a long time. It's it's left me a little bit like I got to go process it. <laughs> so it's, this is one of those episodes where I finish it and I'm like, all right, now let's go sit quietly for 30 minutes to process it. And for everyone who's watching, I want to challenge you to listen to it again. Um, I promise you, I know my community. I know how we are. We're type A entrepreneurs. We're go, go, go ambitious out there. A lot of us are speakers. A lot of us do a lot of webinars, VSLs. We love this. I'm telling you more and more lately, and this was before meeting Oscar, the last many months, the last year, I have my, my mantra has been, and listen, I was on stage in India recently in front of 5,000 people. I was a keynote event. I was being interviewed and someone asked a question and said, how do you find market opportunity? How do you find an opportunity for something to sell? The key advice that I have given for a long time on that question has been, See the things that are challenging you, find the challenges you are facing in your life and you will find a solution or a product to be built. And that day, because of what I've been going through over the last so many months, my answer changed for the first time in public. And the answer had nothing to do with that. The answer, my answer was stop talking, start listening. And I was like, if you listen enough to 
your family, your friends, your colleagues, your boss, they will tell you what their real problems are. And you will learn where there are solutions that you can build. And so it's so fascinating to me to see there's an actual structure around it. And it's not just this like ambiguous idea of just listen more, but that there is active listening, deep listening, and that there's actual way to do it. And there's a way to ask questions to further. And I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the idea of 125 words is what we're listening to, but the reality of everything is actually below it. So I just want to echo everybody, go to listeningquiz.com, become a part of Oscar's tribe, listen to what he's talking about, read his book, How to Listen by Oscar Tromboli. And engage. And if you have any aspiration of being a leader, which by the way, if you're a parent, you're a leader. Uh, if you're in a family, you're a leader. If you have friends, you're a leader. And if you're in an entrepreneur, you're a leader. And if you work at a company, you're a leader. We're all leaders. Learn to listen. Oscar, thank you so much. It's been absolutely an honor having you on this episode, on this podcast. We will have you back and uh, final words for you. Thanks for listening. All right. Awesome, everybody. Make sure you click subscribe. Leave any questions below on any of the other audio podcast platforms. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a great review. This is Onyx and all reminding you when life pushes you. You know what? Stand straight, smile, and listen. There you go. First time ever I changed my quote at the end of it. Just listen to it and see why it's pushing you around. All right, guys. Go out there. Have a great butt. Have a great day. Kick some butt. Love you all. Onyx and all show. We'll be back with another amazing guest here soon. Bye.